When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everybody. This is Humble and Hungry, and I'm your friend, Natalie Poucher. Welcome back. Oh, my goodness. Happy Monday or whatever day of the week you're listening to this. It's funny. Last week, I realized after the fact that it was our 100th episode. And I have to say, I was very proud of myself um, because I just feel like we've come such a long way. And, you know, my producer, Andy, engineer, producer, whatever you want to call him, um, he's the best guy ever. And he's so good. And he messaged me and he was like, um, you know, congratulations. And most people don't actually make it past five episodes. So this is sort of a big um, achievement really in, in this space. And I have to say, you know, everyone, you remember that time when everyone's like, oh, I could do a reality show. And people still say that, like when you're hanging out with your friends, you're like, oh my God, that's such a reality show. <laughs> right? And then it was like now a podcast, like everyone wants to do a podcast. And I have to say, if you have something to say and you have the dedication for it, and there's obviously a lot to it, but you know, do it. Um, but my number one thing is you have to stick to it. And you know, you got to stay committed just like anything else. If you wanted to succeed, you got to just stay committed and dedicated to it. Um, and so I'm just very proud of myself for, for doing this, for, you know, being able to, um, be financially independent, you know, from Riley and, uh, sort of taking a leap of faith and, and doing this on my own, not knowing if it was going to be successful or not. Um, so I'm just, uh, I'm really happy and I'm really thankful for you guys to be here a hundred episodes deep. I started an Instagram called humble and hungry media. Uh, and you know, it, it only took me a hundred episodes, but I did it. And, a you know, part of it was I, I was always sort of like hesitant to start an Instagram for it and sort of really create a brand around what I'm doing because I just have, you know, the fear of failure. And so, you know, like we've been talking just sort of pressing play and making that next move. And this was sort of me doing, putting my, you know, my money where my mouth is and, and, you know, starting to take those steps to, um, to really create a brand for myself. And I think that, you know, if this is a sign for you, it's sort of taking that next step. If you have an idea or if you've been thinking about it or like, will it be a good, just, just try it, just do the first thing to get there. Um, and so that this is me doing that thing. Um, so yeah, go follow Humble and Hungry Media on Instagram. It'll basically be um, all things Humble and Hungry, whether it's you know from the show to merch or whatever it is that we end up decide that we end up doing on it. It'll be all in one place. Um, and so yeah, and then last week I had Sam on. <laughs> and if you guys are on Patreon, you're able to watch the whole thing. So if you if you want to you know watch this instead of just listening to it 
can go and head over to Patreon. It's ad free and you can go back and listen to all the other episodes that we've done exclusively on Patreon. Okay. So today's um, show is actually very exciting for me because you guys know we've been talking a lot about um, maybe possibly getting rid of my diamond and getting a either lab ring or a moissanite. Uh, and I started looking into different companies and I found one on Instagram and it's called East West Gem Co. They have over 300,000 followers and it looks so legitimate and the rings look insanely beautiful. And what I love about it is that they're transparent about price. And you know me, like I hate looking at something and being like, well, how much is it? Is it like 300,000? Is it 100,000? Is it 20,000? Or is it 3,000? And so they are very transparent. They will show you the amount of carrots. They'll show you the price. And so I was hooked and I reached out to them on Instagram and I was like, Hey, do you guys want to come on the show? Because I'm going to buy a ring from you anyways. And I, and I really want to just, I want to educate myself and my, uh, my friends over on my podcast. I'm like, so you guys might as well just come on the show. And it's basically doing, um, you know, the, the whole process of, of, of me finding a ring and, um, and all that. And so I'm just going to do it on the show. So I'm having the CEO and founder of East West Gem Co. Her name is Brenna Leiden. And she's going to come on in a little bit and basically just break it down for us. Talk to us about, you know, the difference between a diamond and a moissanite in a lab, um, how much things cost, how long it takes to make, basically. And then like what the future holds, like what does, what does a, a you know, a lab diamond look like? Um, just in value versus a diamond. I mean, the the amount of people that are now sort of switching over, not only is it more just um, ethically made, uh, I, I just feel like so many more people are doing that versus diamonds. I mean, diamonds are diamonds going to lose their value, right? Just so many questions. Uh, so I'm very excited about that. But before we get into it, let me just sort of give you a little breakdown of what's been going on in my life. Okay. So we went to Vegas. Um, the day that I recorded with Sam, we actually ended up, this is my family and I, I swear. We, we were like on a group text and we had been sort of talking about going to Vegas to go visit my dad because he still lives out there with my stepmom and my little brother. And we, um, we were like, should we just go? Should we not go? And, and my sister, Jessica, her kids were in spring break. Um, just Jackie's kids were also in spring break. Piper was going to be on spring break that day. And so we all decided to basically get in the car and go to Vegas, um, Easter weekend and, you know, make a little trip out of it and go see my dad. So we go out there and we have a great time. All my family's there. And it's always so good to basically catch up because my dad and I aren't honestly that close. I would say like, we don't talk as often as I would like. Um, but you know, he's so busy. I'm so busy. And that's not an excuse, but like when we get together, it's like no time has passed and like nothing has changed really. And so that's sort of the beauty of it. And so when we do go out there and we spend quality time, it's almost like quality, not quantity with, with him. Um, and so we always have just such a good time. Anyways, the kids were in the pool and, um, they're swimming. Piper gets out and she has one of the biggest knots I've ever seen in my life in her hair. Okay. And we're starting to like brush it and tackle it. 
And it started off with like just like my my stepmom doing it and then my sister. And then basically all the women were <laughs> surrounding her, like just going to town, throwing conditioner on there, putting detangler. I mean, we tried everything um, and we couldn't get it out. And so I was like, okay, let me just sort of braid a little bit. This is my fault. I, we braided a little bit of good hair with the bad hair just so that it would like not get even more tangled at night, but I'm an idiot. And basically it now tangled the good hair. I don't know why I did that. Um, cause no one ever, no one told me not to. I just thought, oh, if when I unbraid it, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what I was thinking. Anyways, long story short, you guys know that Piper has like the longest, most beautiful hair and Riley refuses to cut it. And so I texted him and I was like, Hey, <laughs> just a heads up. Piper has a big knot and may or may not have to cut it. He goes, if you cut it, just don't even come home. <laughs> He was like kidding, not kidding. Um, because no one fucks with Piper's hair, like no one. Um, and so I was like, well, I'm not gonna cut it without you. Like, we're gonna tackle this again tomorrow because I was coming home the next day. It was Easter. And so I was like, Well, I want you to look at it. I'm just giving you a heads up that this is what's happening. So basically, again, long story short, the next day, come home. We have our Easter little day. Um you know, our, everyone went and got their eggs and went to my sister-in-law's or my sister, my sister's mother-in-law's house. Um, kids played, it was fine. Came home. So now it's like time to tackle. And we put in, um, again, like every oil you can think of. And Riley got his little, um, it's almost like a little, like a toothpick thing, <laughs> like for your teeth. And so we just like, slowly, slowly started like picking it off, picking, like picking little hairs, picking little hairs, try to like massage the hair out. And honestly, I didn't, I was scared to post about it because I knew I was just going to get, and not that I, I wasn't willing to try everything, but honestly, I felt like I tried everything. And then after the fact, cause we ended up having to cut it, but I'll get there. But even after the fact, I got so many people with different remedies. So let me just get there. <clears throat> so we're peeling it. We're like, you know, picking like one little hair at a time. And it's just Riley and I, Riley and I just like taking turns. And by the way, she was so good. She was just like sitting there. She was like watching her little show, eating her little snack. And, um, we were starting to get like little chunks out at a time, but the knot was so hard. It was like, a, it was honestly like a rock. It was so hard. And I was like, is there gum in there? But it wasn't gum in there. Cause like once like you get like um, like the needle in there. It, it wasn't, it wasn't gum. So finally we were, and then, <laughs> and then I, I was like, we have peanut butter, but it was only crunchy peanut butter. <laughs> so I put crunchy peanut butter in her hair. And honestly, that was like the biggest, dumbest mistake I've ever made. I was just so desperate that I, everyone was like, put peanut butter. And say, so put peanut butter. I was like, I only have crunchy peanut butter. So um, she had chunks of peanut butter in her hair now with the big knot. And it was just a disaster. It was a disaster. And then I have like this horse shampoo. So I ended up dipping her hair in like the water just to get the the chunks of peanuts out. <laughs> I put some 
some of the shampoo and it actually the, the horse shampoo did soften it a little bit. Um, anyways, we ended up having to cut it and I asked Riley if he wanted to do the honors. And at this point we're like both laughing cause we're like, this is just crazy. So he just like went as low as he could and then just cut the big ass ball of hair. Luckily the knot was like towards the bottom. So her long hair sort of covers her little short now ends, but man, what a freaking disaster. So a few things that I, and then I posted it afterwards. Um, and a few people were saying if there's gum in the hair, uh, the, the, this viral TikTok was saying that you basically put, um, sunscreen in it and the, the gum will basically just fall out. And I saw a video of it and it was quite fascinating. Uh, the other ones that I've heard were using motor oil and that came from a hairstylist. Um, and honestly, at that point, I would rather have just cut the hair. (laughs) I'm not using motor oil in my kid's hair. I'm good. Uh, unless it was like a, like a, you know, something in the front or like a very important piece of her hair. Luckily it was underneath. So I didn't care as much. I mean, it's just hair. It's going to grow back. But, um, I heard coconut oil, which I actually didn't try coconut oil, but I did, I did try like olive oil and other types of oils. Um, what else did I hear? I think that was pretty much like the, the differences. All the other ones are, I feel like more common. Um, anyway, so that was sort of a mess. <laughs> like what a freaking day. Um, but had a great long weekend and we missed Riley a lot. I've, it's funny. We, we don't do well apart. It was like four days apart. And he was like, honestly, I worked, I came home, I slept. And then he's like, it just, the home didn't feel like home without you guys. And it was very sweet. Um, it's true. We just, we can't go many days without each other, which sounds corny, but, um, I think it's probably a good testament to how tight knit we are. Um, also one last thing before our interview, um, I went and got a facial. So my girlfriend got me a facial for my birthday and she was like, you have to go. She's amazing. It's not just a facial. She also is like a, like a spiritual healer. And I was like, sign me up. You know, I'm all about that. So I went, she was in Newport beach and, um, and she was really great. She's like super calming. Um, the, the actual facial was honestly like a two hour facial, but she was fantastic. I have, I needed so many extractions and she just sat there and basically just like got every single one out. It was phenomenal. Um, but on top of that, she basically, she does these readings. So she basically asks you what you want to heal. And I was like, what do you mean what I want to heal? She's like, is there something that's like been on your mind or that you're struggling with? And she's like, I'll basically like remove those blocks. Like it's like blockage. Um, in like a spiritual sense, right? And so long story short, she basically told me, and I was talking to her about, you know, a few things, a baby thing. And she's like, this is like what hit home for me. She's like, um, she's like, I think she's like, I feel, I see two different paths for you. I see you, um, not having another one and having everything you want in your life. And, and I know this sounds generic to you guys, but there's like so much more to it. But she's like, I see this path where you don't have another one and, and you have everything that you want in life, but you have a little bit of that regret and you'll always live with that regret of why didn't I try a little harder? She's like, but then I see another, this other path 
exactly the same, sort of you have everything you want in your life, but I see you having another one and you feel fulfilled. This feels like more of a fulfilled life. She's like, I think what's blocking you and stopping you from wanting to maybe really try for another one in taking those steps is because you feel like if you have another one, you're going to lose more of yourself. And I was like, oh, damn. She's so right. She's so freaking right. And and I had never thought of it that way because I think that – once your mind goes down that path of like being really, really honest to yourself of like, if you want another one or not, um, it is like, you almost feel bad for saying it out loud, right? Because you feel selfish of like, God, that's so messed up of me to think that if I have another one, I like lose a sense of myself. And I think when I really started to like dig deep into that, it was the fact that I felt like, you know, and, and she also just confirmed this and was saying that I, I'm a very, like, I'm very much a go-getter. And had I not had this sort of family unit, she was like, oh, I see you just like going and like doing and, and being incredibly successful, but just like go, go, go. Um, and achieving all the things. She was like, you're a creative and, and you have, you have so much that you want to do. But this sort of family life is, making you almost have to slow down and therefore it's making you not feel as productive. Um, or it's, and it's making, it's almost like not making you be able to be as creative and, and do the things that you want to do for your own personal career because you're, you know, taking care of your baby and you're in mom mode and you're in wife mode and you know, you're, you're all these things for other people. And it's hard for you to show up for yourself in your career and do the things for yourself because then you feel like you're not going to be as good of a mom, as good of a wife and, and, you know, holding up this household of like making sure things are in order. And, you know, just like the day-to-day life of making sure the house is clean, making sure that, you know, Piper gets to her activities and like all the other life shit that, that holds you back from having time for yourself. And she's like, you know, I, I, I see you constantly wanting to make sure that, you know, you're, you're being a present what, you know, wife and that you're there for your spouse and that you're there for him in a way of like an emotional and like you're his cheerleader and you're, you're just always trying to take care of him that it almost takes away again from you. And I was like, oh my gosh, she's so right. And she's like, and then if you add another baby to it, it's almost like, okay, well, there goes, there goes me. There goes the things that make me happy. And it's so true. And I think that I just hadn't vocalized it, but it was, that was sort of my hesitancy when I said that, you know, if it's not meant to be, it's not meant to be. Therefore, I'm sort of allowing it to, I'm almost giving it like an excuse. Um, And she goes, let me just tell you something. She's like, and I'm not saying this because I have, you know, two kids and she's like, but you can do it all. You just have to almost like compartmentalize and, and, and create different spaces in your mind. She goes, if you can visualize this, create a different space for each thing in your life. Create a space for motherhood. Create a space, like another box type, for being a wife. And create a space for the career you. And those all are different spaces. And you are, you can, if you can imagine this, just make time and don't, she's like, it's hard not, not hard not to get overwhelmed, right? Because all of a sudden you have all these things to do, but she's like, but if you just sort of compartmentalize it all and say, okay, 
I can, I can do all these things. They don't all have to intertwine. I think that once we start getting overwhelmed, we start to, we start to combine all these boxes and then we just get, we feel like we can't do it all, but you can, you can, you have to just sort of make a list of things that need to get done, put those in each of the spaces and then separate it. She's like, and it's okay to separate and sort of, um, she was saying something about like removing Piper from my space. She was like, it's not that you don't love her. It's not that you, you're, you're cutting the umbilical cord. It's not that she's like, you're still her protector. You are still her mother. You are still, you still love her, but it's okay to sort of get her out of your space. That way you can thrive and you can be the best version of yourself. And then you can show up for her the way that she needs you to show up for her. And then you can show up for yourself and for your husband. And so, um, the whole thing was just very, it was very nice to hear that. Um, and maybe this is again, like a placebo effect, right? But, um, I did feel lighter. I felt like so at ease of like, I can do it. If I have another baby, it's not going to take away from me. I can still be successful. And then you start to see like all these other people that have influenced you and, and have been successful before you and are doing it in the same space that you are. And you're like, wow, yeah, she has all these kids and she's successful and she has, you know, still a beautiful family and all these things that like you can, you can. And I, I think that, um, I'm now just giving myself that, that sort of grace and that permission to be able to say, Hey, um, if you want to have that baby, it doesn't take away from anything. And, um, I don't know. It was just like a beautiful moment for me of like, you can do it. You can do it all and don't feel bad. So I don't know. I don't know if that resonated with any of you, but it did for me. And so, um, I will be going back to get a lot more facials. (laughs) That's for damn sure. Okay. Enough of this. Let's get to our guest this week. Like I was saying, she is the CEO and founder of East West Gem Co. Please welcome Brenna Leiden. Okay, Brenna, thank you so much for being here. How are you? Good. Thank you for having me, Natalie. I appreciate the opportunity. Of course. It's so funny. So, I, you know, I've been talking a lot on the show about wanting to get rid of this diamond for multiple reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, it's my engagement ring and, you know, it's just it's, I'll bear you the details, but like, it's just, I'm ready for like something that I personally really want. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, yeah. um, and so I was just thinking, you know, maybe I get rid of the diamond and, you know, start going into like the more moissanite lab grown diamonds. And so I found your guys' website and I was obsessed and that's when I reached out. Um, so I'm really happy that you're here. And I got so many messages saying, oh my God, I love them, or I've already ordered a ring, or I can't wait. And I'm sort of like hesitant, like I can't wait to hear what she has to say. So I'm I'm really excited about this. Well, I'm equally as excited. I mean, your story is so common for us. Like we hear this all the time. Okay, good. So I feel like you're going to have to educate us a little bit. But before we get into that, can you just tell me like a little bit about you and like how you even got into this industry? Yeah. Um, I'm originally a Midwest girl. I'm from Minneapolis, Minnesota. And I went to school for fashion and I was convinced I was going to be a buyer. And in that time, I actually worked at a vintage jewelry store 
which had a very pawn shop energy to it. I'm not going to gussy it up. Mm-hmm. And people would sell their grandmother's engagement rings a lot of times. It's not a glamorous introduction to the jewelry industry, but it's my real introduction. Um, this is where I fell in love with vintage cuts. And you see a lot of that in our pieces what we do today. And that's kind of what gave me my first taste of the jewelry industry. I have no one in my family who's in the jewelry industry. And I think that's actually one of my favorite things is that I don't have this tainted view of it. So a lot of times jewelry is an inherited business. It's a family business. Mm -hmm. So when you come from it from a complete outsider's point of view, you see it as a customer would see it. And I think that's kind of been a strength of East West and Everly Rings. Um, But I was a buyer for Nordstrom Department Stores, got my dream internship, got the dream job, was in my role for four months. And I go, I got to start my own company. So that's when I started Everly Rings because I learned through research that simulated diamond, CZ, sterling silver rings, there's really only three men in the entire world that ran the entire industry. That's why when I say a CZ ring, you are thinking of the ugliest possible ring in your head right now. It's because yes. of these three hombres. <laughs> and I, I said what I yep. said. Um, yep. Obviously, there's been a lot of innovation in non-diamond rings, including CZ, Moistnite, Lab Diamonds, all of it. So we chased that first. Um, I would did Everly rings for three years. We innovated facet patterns. We did the claw prongs. We did low settings, everything that wasn't standard to the industry at the time. And after about a year and a half in, I go, I really want to do moist night business. I really want to do custom moist night rings. And everyone told me it wouldn't work. I spent a year testing facet patterns and creating our own. And East West was born three years after Everly. So Everly is going to be seven this summer and East West is going to be four years old. Wow. Good for you. That is so impressive. (laughs) So are you, are you really like the, like the only woman in the industry doing this? So at the time in the CZ side of things, there was really only three men and they're all foreign men. So there was no like American women doing it. I'm by no means the only one. There's been a floodgate. I think that when there's opportunity for one, there's opportunity for many. And I think that's a strength of businesses like jewelry and like any creative industry. It's not this competition. It's women uplifting women. Because in the jewelry industry, yes, in the jewelry industry, um, it's primarily a male-dominated business. I think a lot of people are really shocked to find that out. There's been a lot of innovation since I entered the space, and there's a lot of female-owned jewelry companies. But seven years ago, it was such a rarity, unless you were a salesperson, to be a female in the jewelry industry. Wow. And um, Mm -hmm. I mean, have you ever met any of the other men? Now now I'm just curious. Like, have you ever met them? Like, Mm -hmm. have they looked at you and been like, good for you? I mean, like, you've completely blown up. Uh, Well, thank you. That means a lot to me. But no, I've never actually met them. Um, I What I kind of discovered going into it is that there was a lot of adversity in the beginning. So when we first started Everly, we were wholesaling, styling before we could ever design our own pieces. So in our very introductory period, we were buying other people's designs, trying to give them feedback. And in that process, if there was an issue with an Everly order or something like that, I actually had to find a guy, whether it was a guy who was living in my Seattle apartment building, someone to call because they actually wouldn't take me seriously as a woman, which was insane. I had to have my ex actually literally get on the phone with him and he had no idea what was happening with the company because he was a guy and he could get things done and I would literally be feeding him what to say. So pathetic, isn't it? (laughs) It's embarrassing. (laughs) Yeah, it's awful. Like it's awful, but we've come a long way, I feel like. I no longer feel this way. I feel like there's a lot of, there's still a lot of room to go. And I think there is a lot of like sweetheart energy, like, oh, sweetheart. And then you realize the volume my companies do Mm -hmm. and the tone shifts a little bit. So there's a lot of work that has been done. There's a lot more work to do. 
Yeah, I love that. Um, okay, so let's sort of get into it a little bit because I feel like I don't really know the difference between a lab diamond versus moissanite versus like this. Like, what can you just like break it down for me, like in like layman terms? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm going to take Susie out of the equation because obviously that's a mass produced, really affordable option that like my brand Everly Rings, you can get $99 rings. And these are, um, it's just a completely different playing field. So right. let's focus on natural diamonds, lab diamonds, and moissanite. Cause that's typically the considerations that for an engagement ring. Okay. So mm-hmm. if I was going to say you're talking about a five carat, really good quality, um, cushion diamond, let's just use this as an example. A natural diamond, obviously there's tons of factors that play into this. It's just an example. Um, you'd be expecting to pay about $100,000 for that stone. Now, lab diamonds were 30 to 40% of the value of natural diamonds. This is actually coming down. So let's use 30% as our threshold for this. Mm-hmm. So that would be um, $30,000, which is still a substantial investment for people. And that's a size stone that we do regularly at East West all the time. Now, at East West Gem Company, we are vertically integrated with our cutting team. So we're not buying stones wholesale. We have our own facet patterns. There's no middleman. And this is why we're so neurotically custom. And we can cut down to a quarter millimeter in any direction, any facet pattern. You want deeper corners, we just cut it. Because we're not buying from a company like Charles & Covard or Harrow Gem, which was the industry standard. I feel like that's changing pretty rapidly. But still, we get that question a lot. And Charles and Covard is in Hero Gem are like 550, 600 a carat. East mm-hmm. West for our whitest and brightest color grade is 375 per carat. So to tie that up in a nice little bow for you, we have $100,000 natural diamond, $30,000 lab diamond, and then you have about a $1,500 moissanite from East West. All wow. of that would be five carats. Yes. And so would you say that the, the moissanite, I mean, is it as sturdy? I mean, I like to bang around my rings. Like I'm super like, I just, I wear it to do everything. So how would you say that differs from like a natural or even the lab? Yeah. I've, we get this from our clients all the time that are rough on the rings. I say that there's a spectrum from mimosa drinker full-time to MMA fighter, right? And a lot of my clients tend to be on this end. So there are design choices and stuff to help with the setting. But if we're talking about the stone specifically, you're going to measure it primarily by the most scale. So this is a scale of hardness. So diamonds are a perfect 10. Um, moissanite typically ranges between a 9.5 to a 9.25 on that spectrum, which is still the second hardest thing to a diamond. Um, but what one thing that people don't really kind of talk about is that you can chip a diamond, right? You know, someone who's inherited right. a diamond from grandma with a chip in it. You're like, what the heck, grandma? What were you doing? These are supposed to be invincible. Any stone can be chipped, diamond or otherwise. And also you can think about like a lot of diamonds have inclusions in them, unless you are Beyonce or Jay-Z or Kanye doing these yeah. flawless diamonds, right? <laughs> so everyone you know has some kind of flaw in their stone and that's actually I would say the smart way, because you can do that in a hidden sort of way. If I looked at your GIA, I'm sure there's a feather or something hidden by a facet pattern. That's pretty simple. Oh, yeah. But depending on what type of inclusion and where it's located, it can almost act like a fault line. So if you hit it just right, you can mm. chip your diamond. So moissanite, we are not dealing with inclusions unless you are doing something really large, like larger than what I would do. And if you know my Instagram, you see the founders rings. I love an 11 carat piece. I love a big rang as we call it. Um, typically you're only dealing with inclusions in moist night if you were going over 20 carats. Okay. So it's really not part of the consideration set. So if you're comparing diamonds, lab diamonds and moist night, I would say that they're pretty even playing field. I would say 
just because of the most scale, obviously moistenite, statistically, you are more likely to damage it, but it's not really something we see all too often. And unlike a, if you chip your diamond, we have a better ability to help you because we can cut you a new stone versus if you chip your diamond, you are a little SOL most of the time. A thousand percent. So, and, and mm-hmm. you guys do include that in your guys' services. So if you do have any yes. sort of, is there some sort of like insurance policy or how does that work? Yeah. So all of our pieces have a one year all-inclusive warranty and that's going to include the setting. So if something happens, we take care of you um, unless it's like recklessly or purposely damaged. Like you can right. tell for some reason, which is almost never the case. Um, going past that, you get my costs and repairs for life, but okay. your stone is included. No questions asked. Anything happens to it, we replace it for you. There's no cost to you. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. So, so if you went to a, a jeweler and you, I, mm-hmm. I was, I hear girls say like, oh my God, we all, you know, we all were at lunch and we all put our rings together and, you know, you can't tell the difference between a, di- you know, natural diamond and, and, and the moissanites. Um, mm-hmm. So if you put that under like a microscope and you go to a jeweler, how can, how do they tell? How can they tell? So the traditional way the test would be a testing pen. You can order these on Amazon if you want. You have to calibrate them properly. So I don't recommend doing it yourself. So you're probably going to get a misread. Um, but they used to just have diamond, not diamond. So Moissanite, a lot of times, will actually pass the diamond tester test if it's an old testing pen. If it's a new one, they've gotten savvier with it. It's going to have conductivity within the stone, which is typically a giveaway. Um, and it's going to be able to detect a Moissanite. So there's actually a Moissanite function. There's okay. like not non-diamond, moissanite, and diamond in the new pen. So typically it's going to be a pen, but if you are testing lab diamonds to natural diamonds, um, it's lab diamonds that do not have nitrogen in them typically and natural diamonds too. So there's like chemical nuances, obviously lab diamonds and natural mine diamonds, if you will, are chemically exactly the same. The only thing is that nitrogen and then sometimes boron can be present in the really white ones, which is typically not the case with a natural mine diamond. Oh my goodness. Do you, which one do this you This is why have? you need a set of experts. I know. <laughs> I'm like, I would have, I would have never been able to just Google that. Uh, so which one do you, would you recommend one? And do you have one? So all of my rings I've ever, so actually I got married originally. I'm just going to lay my cards out yep. there. Um, no longer married. Very happy. A boyfriend that treats me like absolute gold. Amen, but I sister. Got a diamond. <laughs> We paid way too much money for it. I actually paid for it. And I have it as a signet ring because I think you should own your past like a power. Oh, I I like that. Cute little signet (laughs) ring. And that was part of me like kind of claiming everything back. So I actually have it. And for East West, we got so many requests for my diamond signet pinky ring that we actually made a moissanite version. And if you compare the two, the moissanite one, I'm like, I wish I had the moissanite one. It shines so much better. Like you can see this on the camera right now. Like a oh lot of diamonds God, can beautiful. fall really flat. Yeah. But I love the design. <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. I love that. Okay. That's good to know. Um, and then hold on. I, I was getting a lot of questions on Instagram as well. Um, but what's like sort of like the process like in the in like the like the lead time on this? So if someone were to go to you guys and, you know, have some sort of, you know, virtual or or in-person appointment, how long would it take from the time that they sort of, you know, leave leave and and get the ring so we are neurotically custom and with moissanite it allows us to do this diamond they are sourcing a diamond for you and if you're doing custom you'll source a diamond and then you'll create your setting around that with east west we are custom cutting your stone for you so if you find a vintage gia from a harry winston ring that you're in love with we just cut that down to a quarter millimeter 
mimic the culette, the corners, the overall shape of it. Um, if you find it, most of the time we can cut it. So a lot of times we're doing that custom cut for your design. That takes two to four weeks to cut your stone. But we are layering that time frame with our custom CAD process. Our CAD designer is in-house in our production facility in Orange County. A lot of people use people overseas, which nothing wrong with that. But the quality is so evident when your CAD designer is in the production facility, seeing your stones, working with your production firsthand. That is typically going to take like around two weeks, maybe three if there's some CAD edits because I'm pretty neurotic and I'm going back and forth a lot over client's designs. And I still do every single CAD myself. I refuse oh my to give that gosh, up. Oh my gosh, I love it. Yeah, it's I just can't. I have a team that helps me with everything else. I can't give up CAD. If you have a custom piece from East West, I'm sending it to you 100%. Like you'll see my name on our backend system. It's a passion piece for me. But oh. sorry, Anna's sitting next to me, my creative director here. And she knows I get, I'm caffeinated. <laughs> You're I'm hands on. So <laughs> You're like yes, a helicopter exactly. mom. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. So the bring it kind of back, um, we do... Four to eight weeks is our lead time. So eight weeks is standard for us. And four weeks would be considered a rush. So we have to have your stone in stock because that's the one thing that if it's not right and we have to recut, it would throw that rush process off. So okay. four to eight weeks. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then, sorry. So so as far as like clarity and like, you know, like what you get like mm-hmm. in a natural diamond, how do you, yeah. especially if it's like a virtual meeting, like how do you pick that? How do you get to see it on your hand? I mean, is there, what like, what does that process look like? So my showroom girls and I have gotten pretty crafty about how we do virtuals and we do them all the time. We work with a lot of our clients remotely. So typically what we're doing during a virtual showing is we are having a Zoom meeting with you just like this, but we are sending you DMs on Instagram the entire time. So it's actually nice as then you have a full recap of your meeting with pictures, video specs of every stone we show you. We're taking videos of the stones and real lighting in real times like in our showroom and just sending it to you with the exact specs. So you get to see the stones like in real time, our people are talking to you about it. We're designing settings around it. We're showing you the real rings, sending you pictures of different angles. And that's how we collaborate with our clients virtually. Okay. So, and then the one in Orange County, because I'm in Orange County, can you physically mm-hmm. go there and try on any rings or is that just where they... Yeah. So we have a showroom built into our production facility. Okay. I was actually very, very insistent of this. So Orange County is unique. We're in Irvine. Um, because when you get to walk into our production facility, you get to see casting happening firsthand, all of our setters, our CAD designers at the whole facility. It's all glass. You walk through it. Like our showroom is nestled right across from our casting room. Oh where, my God. Like, I love, happen- I'm going to go. Can I just pop in or do you have to have an appointment? You need an appointment because okay. obviously like girls have so much to do and we kind of have to manage our schedules appropriately yes. and they have clients coming in and out and we want to serve you fully when you're there and it's hard to do that on the spot. So if you just reach out to our team via email or DM, they'll arrange a time for you to come in um, and Sydney squeezes people in. She's our showroom lead out there and it's just, it's really fun to see up close. Oh and my it's like, gosh. I, I still sit at my setter's desk and I watch them and every time is like the first time. It's like this really cool, like just contrast between a beautiful piece of jewelry and like jeweler's hands that are like black from polished dust. Jewelry is not like a glamorous process on the back end. Right. It's a glamorous end product and that it's just that stark contrast. It's addicting. Oh my God. I love that. I love that you can be able to like see it and feel and touch it. I mean, for me, Mm -hmm. I know that I, I have smaller hands and so I feel mm-hmm. like I I don't necessarily want like a massive ring, but I want something bigger than what I have. And so I think mm-hmm. for me, I really would like to try it on just to see like, okay, like maybe this is a little too big or a little too high or whatever it is. But um, so I'm glad you have a showroom. So if everyone listening, 
make sure to go and and check that out. Um, and we have one in Charleston, South Carolina, where our headquarters is as well. That's where most of our team is actually based out of. And we have a showroom in Miami as well that's completely bilingual. So if you speak Spanish, you can do your whole showing experience completely in Spanish. Oh my God, I love that. Um, I also can't get over how inexpensive they are in comparison to like a natural diamond. Like that is just mind blowing to me. Do you feel like the value of a diamond versus like a moissanite? I mean, like, do you see them like down the road, way down the road? But like, do you think the value of a diamond is going to go down eventually because just like the way that it's ethically made and, you know, all of those factors. Um, and obviously this is becoming way more popular. I mean, do you, do you see the value sort of like declining a little bit in diamonds? So the value of diamonds is directly correlated to the demand for them. This is why De Beers, which is the biggest diamond company in the world, has hyperinflated the market for so long. There are warehouses across the world that are to the brim with diamonds that keep the market hyperinflated so they can charge more for them. This is a statistic. This is like a known truth, okay? Mm -hmm. And when you go to the lab diamonds, though, now they aren't dealing with that scarcity aspect. So when they launch them, they're actually dropping in price pretty substantially. So lab diamonds... I see that price coming down a lot. Oh, so I can see natural diamonds in certain cuts in carrot sizes and like, like princess cuts. We don't see a lot of in our business anymore. To each their own. If you have a princess cut and you love it, full send, full power to you. We love that for you. But typically, we don't see it. So certain cuts are more desirable. Certain ratios, how elongated they are, more desirable. And like vintage antique mine diamonds are the most rare. So we're seeing those go up in value. So I see lab diamonds coming down in value a lot. Like these antique, really rare diamonds, I think will maintain their value pretty well. But also it, diamonds are sold to you as this like immense investment that you'll get your return out when right. you sell it. Talk to a friend who's gone through like a divorce or something who sold the ring on eBay. They're getting like maybe 50% if they're lucky for the stone. Really? Oh, so I'm like, I'm going to get nothing for this. <laughs> So what I would do and what we've done for people in the past, we don't do a ton of it just because obviously there's a risk associated with extracting someone else's stone in someone else's setting, but have someone set it in a cool piece, such as a cool signet ring as a pendant necklace that you'll layer every day with like a cool two stone ring with like maybe a gemstone or something. So you can still have that piece and wear it as long as it's a stone that you actually still love. And obviously you got married with it at a sentimental value. So that's always my piece of advice. Yeah. And then design your completely custom new ring. Okay. Yeah. We haven't gotten married yet. This is just the, the engagement ring, but oh, I feel con like- Congratulations. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, it was like year, it was like three years ago. We're just waiting a really long time. We had like my daughter, I was pregnant and then we got engaged. So, mm -hmm. you know, did things a little backwards, but, um, but yeah, no, I feel like I wouldn't even mind getting rid of it, but you, but you don't think that there's much mm -hmm. value in selling it. Depends on what you pay for it and who you got it from. Yeah. Um, but I tell most people, you have a pretty desirable cut in setting, like a pave oval is something that's pretty easy. If you have something that's a little bit more niche or like, let's just say like you're dealing with like mom's ring and mom wants an upgrade. Let's just use this as an example. Yep. These large marquee were really, really stylish in the 80s. And like these really skinny marquee, they're actually coming back into style and we can position those in interesting ways. But my best advice to like my friends, I say, extract it out of an outdated setting and list the stone solely on a secondhand site like OneSwed or eBay or something like that. So you're actually going to get the most money for it. And then take your setting to your jeweler and have them give you a gold credit. I think that is the most economical commercial way to sell your old diamond. 
as someone who does Muay Thai all the time, but I still advise people. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay. I love that. That's a great tip. Everybody write that down, jot that down. Don't forget that. Um, Okay. This is all so, so incredibly, um, oh my gosh, let me see this. Um, Let's see. Okay. I guess the last thing people just want to know, just like what, you know, um, for people who can't visit in person for fittings, what should they expect during a virtual, um, consult, which I feel like you went over. I mean, I think you gave us all like the tips and the information that we need. So what, um, is there anything else you want to let everybody know about, um, the company or, or anything else? So we have a lot of really exciting initiatives in the work. So you're going to be seeing a different product category from us very soon is oh. all I can kind of say. Oh my goodness. Um, I'm going to get strangled if I say anything more <laughs> than that. Um, but we do have pop-ups as well. So we actually are in New York for a full week next week, which is really exciting. We are building out our wait list. We're fully committed. We have like 80 showings, but we squeeze people in before, after, during lunch. Like we try our absolute best. So reach out to my team if you're in the greater New York area to make sure that we can squeeze you in. Um, we also have Charlotte in May. We have LA in the fall. We have Seattle in the fall and we have Phoenix, Arizona in the fall as well. So even if we don't have a showroom there, there's a good chance we're doing a pop-up somewhere closer. Oh my gosh. I love it. Thank you so much for being here before we go. So tell everybody where they can find you, um, on Instagram or, or wherever you want them to find you. Yeah. Instagram is our habitat. It's where we live. So at East West Gemco. Um, we also are on TikTok as well. Same handle. And Everly Rings is my first company that does like really great travel rings. So if you want to leave your expensive ring at home, you're going to Cabo to Mexico with the girls get yourself an Everly ring for $99. So you don't have to stress in case you drank one too many margaritas and lose <laughs> your ring. No harm, no foul. We've so all been there. be smart. Yes. Be smart about your jewelry. And honestly, I just, the ending sentiment is just, I'm so blessed to do what I do every day. I have never had any financing partners. Uh, we have bootstrapped this. We started with this idea of women design rings in a way that was affordable. And now East West is approaching 16,000 engaged rings we've made. Oh. And I have the best team. I'm so humbled by it every day. Oh, congratulations. I love seeing a female, empowered female doing this in a space where it's mainly for women. And, you know, finally, men aren't designing things for women. So thank you for doing what you're doing. And I cannot wait to see this future. I don't know, Endeavor, (laughs) the next thing popping up. So thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. And also have fun in your showing in our Orange County showroom. Thank you guys so much for being here. Remember, you guys can go watch this on Patreon ad-free. But thank you. I I, I hope you guys enjoyed that. I feel like so many of you are messaging me on Instagram saying, I was, you know, I've been, I've been looking at those, you know, rings for a while. I didn't want to break the bank. Um, So hopefully that helped you make a decision and you guys can go reach out to them. Let them know I sent you. Thank you guys so much. Appreciate you. I love you. Remember, stay humble and stay hungry. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. 
Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.